You're listening to Lanyap, a weekly digest of news, personal finance, brotherly banter, and whatever else is on our minds. From Stokes Family Office. Hello, this is Greg Stokes. I'm with my brother Doug. This is Lanyap Podcast offered by Stokes Family Office. Today is November 15th, Wednesday. Um, and it's about midday. It's been a really positive week in the markets. Um, both bond and stock markets have done really well and have built on the momentum for the preceding two weeks. Friday itself was a very positive day. And the major impetus um, or catalyst for the markets to move higher this week was the uh, reporting of consumer price index data, which is basically the, the Fed, Fed's favorite measure for inflation. And also purchase price index came out as well too, which is the um, the data as it relates to what manufacturers are seeing from an inflationary standpoint. This particular iteration of CPI data showed that uh, inflation over the last 12 months was 3.2%, which is lower than what uh, economists were forecasting. PPI, the, the manufacturer's measure of inflation, was also lower. Um, so basically, the hope is is that we are avoiding a recession and also the there's an increase in the likelihood that the fed is done raising rates and the next step that they're going to take is to cut rates so um sort of as it as it stands right now the market is seeing sort of like a goldilocks scenario in terms of um the the uh, fed's rate hiking cycle being close to an end and also avoiding a recession and the markets have responded positively as a result the S&P 500, after having a really positive last couple of weeks, has really shot up again this week. Bond yields have come down. So it's been a really uh, good market for stocks and bonds. Um, so lots of things going on surrounding that particular position. People that were patting their chest that the uh, the world was coming to an end not too long ago are backtracking on their positions. And we'll go into that in more detail. But Doug, I would love to get your thoughts on um, what's happening in uh, today's market. Um, this is traditionally a seasonably good time of the year, um, and and we're also having some positive things as well too. Yeah, um, I think the only thing that comes to my mind here is that I feel like we we can pat ourselves on the back a little bit on this. Um, I think we've been calling for much of this year for uh, disinflationary trends in CPI. I mean, I, I remember podcasts back in January, February, where we were referencing trueflation data a lot, uh, which was more of a real-time inflation indicator. Uh, and I think the dis- disinflationary trend continues here. I think if you look at the CPI data under the hood, essentially everything uh, from a from a inflationary perspective, the, the entire inflationary print was uh, still shelter, owner's equivalent rent, and everything else was flat or negative um, in, in aggregate. And I think that uh, if you look at owner's equivalent rent still north of 6% and then look at actually- Yeah, that's, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, look at actually apartment um, uh, rents, what, what is, is Zillow getting or apartment list, look at their data. And it's showing decline in uh, in new rents or concessions that are being made by uh, apartment owners, and so I I think that um, this trend continues. And now the the risk is that uh, Fed keeps rates too high for too long, and uh, and so I think that that's something that's going to be looked at for 
much of 2024 is not necessarily is it an inflationary story um you know what happens if uh if we we hang out in this high interest rate world for too long uh with a, a world that has a lot of debt um does it become does it get to the point where that that debt is not serviceable anymore at five plus percent percent risk-free rates and i think that uh, we're going to be talking about that a lot the, uh, next year so as it stands right now to uh ppi the the uh, manufacturer's inflationary index was up just like uh uh 1.3 percent over the last year so this is inflation for consumers and for producers as well too as it relates to what the, the market is pricing the fed to do on a prospective basis as it stands right now, the market is expecting the Fed is going to hold rates where they are until March of 2024 and then begin cutting rates in May of 2024 um, and to a cycle low of uh, right now the the, uh, the Fed funds rates in the mid fives. And the expectation of the market as it stands right now is that the Fed will, will settle and rates will be around 3.8% in November of 2025. So the, the market's expecting that that uh, the Fed starts cutting rates in May of 2024 and ends their cutting cycle in November of 2025. Again, we the whole idea behind the Fed funds rate going from 0% to 5.5% or whatever it is right now from uh, 2021 t- till now was not even priced in at any, in any form or fashion. So this is all obviously subject to change. Um, but right now, the, the market is expecting the Fed begins a cutting cycle in the spring and and that and therein lies a sort of question like if you were able to buy a um a five or ten year treasury or whatever at five percent and the fed funds rate is going to be in the threes and in 18 months or two years then it seems like it would be a pretty good deal to buy bonds at those rates um and and lo and behold that's another thing that i guess we can sort of pat ourselves on the back for, for as it stands for right now is so bond yield did, did seem very attractive and all of a sudden yields on bonds have come down dramatically it doesn't seem doesn't it mean still seems attractive i mean i think um it's if you'd rather have five percent uh 10 year treasury when you're buying bonds but you know we're at 4.55 percent right now um i think if you own stocks, you you own stocks for a risk premium, so you expect to receive more return than four point five five percent over the next decade, and and I would say that that is a, a strong likelihood. I think the stock stock prices have really gone nowhere and really declined over the last two years, and multiples have contracted. And we talked about this last week to the point where it's now reasonable to buy uh, equities. Uh, at you know, 17 to 18 times earnings is, a, is an average multiple throughout history. And guess what's also average uh, throughout history is a, a 4 to 5% 10-year treasury. That's been your average return in fixed income going back to the 1920s. There's a chart from Vanguard, and I'm, I'm going off of memory here, with something like a 5.5% annualized return in fixed income versus a 9.5% annualized return in equities. And so with with rates at four and a half percent i mean that's a that's essentially your your average historical fixed income return and guess what stocks reverted back to their average multiple um after after rates came came up and so uh, i think if we're looking at it from the perspective of uh forecasting and of course it's really interesting because all the big banks are coming out with their 2024 forecast now we can talk about a couple of them but uh the way that i look at it is that 
bond bond yields are back to their historical average and uh, stock PEs are back to their historical average. And we're kind of sitting at a level playing field now. Yeah. And speaking of big bank forecasts, they don't know anything. Um, they, if this is a Mike Wilson from Morgan Stanley, who's a, they're one, I think they're chief economist, but this guy on Twitter put this guy's Mike Wilson's from the, who represents the biggest bank and is their chief economist. Um, he put his commentary relative to the markets in Oct- at the end of October, mid mid to end of October was, I guess, the the latest um, low in the markets. It was the markets got down to like forty one hundred or something. Like the S P five hundred got down to forty one hundred. Right now, it's over forty five hundred. Uh, this is Mike Wilson. He says there will be no year end rally. Literally at the the low of the markets, and lo and behold, here we are. The markets are up probably ten or twelve percent since then. He also this guy Mike Wilson said S P five hundred could plunge twenty five percent. And that was in September. Um, markets were off 5% or whatever from there before they've rebounded significantly. Um, and then he said uh, he, he was this guy basically just this chart basically shows that this guy is, is just like any, any other um, charlatan um, has, has he'll be right or a broken clock or whatever will be right twice, twice a day. But other than that, he's, he's trying to feed into this sort of news cycle. And speaking of that, this is not necessarily someone who's, feeding into the news cycle per se. But we talked about this on a previous podcast about six months ago, or maybe four months ago, our older brother texted us and he said, did you see Michael Burry, um, who is this sort of idiosyncratic guy from um, who was portrayed by Christian Bale and The Big Short, which is one of the best finance movies, by the way, out there if you're interested. And uh, Michael Burry made a fortune betting on subprime mortgages during the 2008-2009 um, housing bubble. And, um, so he, he made a contrarian bet at that point in time and made several hundred million dollars for himself. Um, and then he manages his own money now. Um, but basically he is, he still makes these sort of like, uh, asymmetrical bets that if something goes wrong or right, he gets paid on a significant way. Recently, he made a gamble that the S and P 500 and NASDAQ would go down and he, he bought some options that he would that would pay him handsomely if that happened, and lo and behold, um, all all investment f- firms, including Stokes Family Office, has to do uh, quarterly filings uh, by the SEC for the positions that we hold. Uh, Michael Burry is no different, but anyway, he posted that he, um, according to his latest SEC filing, that he no longer holds that position, closed his his uh, his options positions, and, and lost a, a significant sum of money. Um, so you can just look at the, the professional, the, the bank forecast, they're going to come out with their, what do they think the S&P 500 is going to do? I'm sure I'm, I'm, I think the, the, the most bullish S&P 500 forecast, by the way, for 2023, at the beginning of the year was, is that we would close at 4,300 and lo and behold, we're at 4,500 right now. So that was like all the biggest banks in the world. They don't know anything. Morgan Stanley's guy absolutely doesn't know anything. As you can see in this chart that we're going to post to the show notes and this guy, Michael Burry, who was right um in 20 2008 2009 is his evidence has shown that he's been wrong as well too countless times even though he has at least had a modicum of success since then um but just all kinds of um all kinds of craziness and people trying to market themselves or whatever but um, if you if you shut your eyes to it there's going to be volatility in the markets that is a fact the s p 500 goes down on average, about fourteen percent per year, count intra year. Even though the markets have averaged 
over the last 40 years, like 9% over that period of time. But intra-year, during the year, the markets will go down about 14%. Um, and we've had a couple of those instances this year, and they all feel distinct, and they all feel like they're the end of the world. Um, but if you shut your eyes to it, you have historically been rewarded. Um, eventually, we will have one of those big drops, and and, and it's going to start with a 10% correction. It's going to feel like the end of the world, and it might be you know a 20 or 30 percenter. But that kind of stuff happens as well, too. And even despite all of those bad periods, the markets have continued to chug along. And uh, we believe they will as well, too, in the future. Um, there's no guarantees, of course, but it has been a uh, choppy period for sure. But it's, it's it looks like that we're, we're to, we've uh, sort of turned a co- turned a corner in the equity markets, at least. Yeah, at least for the last three days uh, or a co- couple <laughs> weeks, we'll see what goes on from here. Oh yeah, so Goldman, Goldman Sachs came out today. They're they're expecting the S and P five hundred. I'm going to label off. Of, we're going to get a bunch of these over the next couple of weeks because they sell. Uh, they're, they're headline grabbers, and they sell a lot of research based upon their forecasts, um, not just Goldman, but all the banks. Uh, but their forecast for a year-end 2024 price target for the S&P is 4700 It's at 4500 right now. Um, let's see. What was uh, U- UBS was uh, uh, 4600 Morgan Stanley, 4500 So basically flat to up a couple of percent from here is where forecasts are coming in. Uh, I think one way to look at this is that stocks go up about uh, 75% of all years, three out of every four years, the market is up. So if you said that the stock market is going to be up next year. Your, uh, your, your bet is probably right on in 75% of equa- of, of all, uh, you know, of those scenarios. But I wanted to go back to 2023 before, before you start seeing these headline grabs and saying, uh, markets are going to crash in 2024 says chief market strategist of XYZ bank. Here are the 2023 expectations. Um, so forecast from Barclays Bank, uh, 3675. Uh, where did where did we start off this year, Doug? Yeah, that's basically uh, we started off. Let's see, at 3900, uh, 3895, and we're at 4500 now. So Barclays, this was at the end of 2022, 3675. Uh, Morgan Stanley, 3,900, UBS, 3,900, Citibank, 3,900, BlackRock, uh, 3,930. Who was the most, uh, optimistic? Let's see. Uh, it was like Deutsche Oppenheimer, Bank. 4,400 was w- Deutsche Bank, 4,500, um, Luthold group, 5,000, uh, Ed Yardeni, who's, uh, has great research, 4,800, um, so those there's three that were those are the outliers. There's three that were a bit more than 4,500 where today where it is today, and there is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen banks uh, were less than 4,500 to end the year. Three were 4,500 or more, and so essentially what happens is after you get a bad year like we had in 2022. It's stoke that fear fire, baby. Let's let's keep this money train going uh, for our research sales, and that's exactly what happened last year. You know what? Um, you know the market is a very good uh, 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 teaching tool, and um, and don't listen to those uh, prognosticators because all they're de- trying to do is is sell some research. Yeah, the same thing happens with uh, with like these banks when they when they uh, provide price targets for individual companies, like. Basically, what they'll do is if the for Tesla, for example, is a great example because it's so volatile. 
the banks will revise their, they'll create a price target, what they think is Tesla is worth. And if Tesla goes up above their price target or, or whatever, then they'll just revise their price target to, to upwards accordingly. Um, they don't keep it static or whatever. It's just a, it's all just a, a mechanism to sell the idea that they know something that the market doesn't or whatever on a micro scale with a stock, but they, they do it likewise on the macro scale with the markets. Um, it's, it, the yeah, markets and it's are- not just the S and P 500. This is from Ben Carlson. He, he said, this was uh, two days ago. He said, remember in 2022 when everyone was betting on $200 oil, this was after the invasion, Russia's invasion of Ukraine, uh, it's a Bloomberg article, Yahoo Finance article, Asian Development Bank, Wall Street Journal, con- the Conference Board, whoever that is. Um, it's currently below eighty dollars a barrel. He says, "Good times," uh, and so it's it's uh, it's just funny that uh, it, fear is a, a pretty powerful tool, and uh, and whether it's the S and P five hundred or interest rates or the price of oil, anytime there's some elevation in volatility, you get these uh, people out of the woodwork that want to want to put a, 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 a bearish bet on hoping that they're right. And when they're wrong, they'll just go back. Uh, you know, it's like the, it's like groundhog's day. They'll just go back in their hole and, and uh, wait for the next opportunity. Right. And what, like we've talked about this before, what they don't tell you is that historically three out of every four years or so are positive on average. So that's, yeah. that's basically, that's your, those are the historical odds. Um, so, it's shifting gears from the sort of uh, charlatan banging on their drum type of situation. Um, some good news, right? The the inflation is is coming down. We're never going to get back to the prices. Um, we're never gonna, you're never going to be able to buy a house or whatever at the price of. I mean, you, I mean, I'm saying that like I know the future, but most likely you're not going to be not able to buy price. A house. You're not going to be able to buy anything for what you bought it for in 2019, and I think that that's. Uh, that's one of the the fallacies with inflation as a, uh, cha- a percent change. And 2% inflation doesn't mean we go back to 2019 prices and grow 2% from there. And I don't, we don't want that. I, of course, we, it's, it angers people to have to pay, you know, 30% more now for, for items that were, um, you know, you know, $10 today. I mean, $10 in 2019 is $13 today for some items. And it's, uh, it's very frustrating and impacts uh, people's livelihoods having to pay significant premiums now versus what they did in 2019. But imagine the implications of deflation and uh, and people. It, it's great to have things get cheaper, but what does that really mean? Well, also wages get go down uh, in deflationary scenarios. Um, you have you know major bankruptcies because margins get compressed because. Uh, you know, the, the price of goods falls less than the inputs to produce those goods. And so uh, I think, yes, it's, uh, you know, we want inflation to, to moderate to a, a sustainable level. But I think uh, the idea that things are going to get back to 2019 levels, uh, number one, is just not going to happen in aggregate. And number two, I don't think you want it to happen because I think it would cause a major economic strain, if not, you know, recession, major recession. Yeah. And, and, um, this is a, this, so speaking of, ha- speaking of housing prices, Ben Carlson created a matrix that shows what happens to housing prices during recessions. And interestingly enough, and we, we had so far, we haven't had a recession throughout this period. The recessions are, 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 are defined in hindsight though. So we're not going to know we had a recession until we already had a recession, but, um, so far we have not had a recession, but, 
if you were to have a situation where somebody said, okay, well, I'm going to wait until the next recession or whatever to buy a house, good luck to you because the data shows that only two out of the last eight recessions, the housing prices have actually gone down during those periods. And those were specifically from 2007 to 2009 and from 2000, pardon me, from 1990 to 1991, there were small dips in housing prices. Um, so even if you were to make these sort of macro calls and be right, a lot of times it doesn't do you any good. And the same thing goes on stocks. I think something like stocks stocks have performed worse during recessions on than has, housing prices. But if you look at the, um, the last eight recessions in stocks, I think something like 30, 30 to 40% of the time markets have been positive during the recession. So if, the whole idea of going and making these sort of macro calls, even if you're right, doesn't mean that you're going to actually be able to translate that into an economic benefit to your bottom line, um, because sometimes the markets move um, uh, the opposite way that you would think during these periods. Yeah, that's right. All right. Well, we're, we're uh, going to keep this week short. We've got a... Uh... Uh, we got Thanksgiving next week, and um, and then we've got a rush to the end of the year. But we appreciate you joining us this week. We uh, hope everyone um, enjoyed the episode. We hope you share with your friends and continue to talk about it. It seems like we're getting some momentum from listeners, and so uh, we want to continue that. So the more that uh, reviews you give us, the more five star. Uh, scores that you give us uh, the more people the the uh, show reaches so we would appreciate all the support thanks for listening to this episode of lanyap this podcast is brought to you by stokes family office if you liked this episode consider sharing it with a friend you can subscribe to future episodes in apple podcasts spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts for more information about Stokes Family Office and Lanyap, visit us at stokesfamilyoffice.com. The information in this podcast is educational and general in nature and does not take into consideration the listener's personal circumstances. Therefore, it is not intended to be a substitute for specific individualized financial, legal, or tax advice. To determine which strategies or investments may be suitable for you, consult the appropriate qualified professional prior to making a final decision.